guys. Happy Sunday. Totally forgot to upload our podcast on Friday. Sorry about that. Uh, But uh, Lexi and I are going to finally share our religious life discernment stories. And we're excited for you to hear it. And we hope that it's helpful for you as you continue uh, to be open to God's will for your life. So have a great Sunday. And please don't forget to celebrate John Paul II's 100th birthday tomorrow. Okay? Okay. Hey guys, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We were talking about like all the really exciting things that have happened in the past week that we can talk about. We have so much to share. So top of the list. So Josh Garrels is my favorite artist of all times. One of my favorites for sure. And he just released like covers of like songs for pay whatever you want. So in other words, free. I gave him a few bucks <laughs> because I, you know, want to support the man. But uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, we were listening to them this morning. They're so good. Yeah. He's so chill. His voice is epic. Oh, I love it. Strongly like recommend. Like indie, folk. Yeah, good. So guys, if you don't know who Josh Garrels is, you need Strongly to find out. Strongly recommend. G-A-R-R-E-L-S. Actually, I only I know, know I one person right. who isn't a big Josh Garrels fan. Hashtag Pat Malay. Oh my gosh. No, it's Chris Cassells. I can't remember if it's Corey or Chris. One of them doesn't like him. Whatever. It's fine. I think it's Chris. Um, shout outs. Hey. <laughs> so that's one of the things. What's other, what other things, Lexi? What's something you want to point out? Um, let's see. Oh, okay. This is kind of sad. Oh. <laughs> I got rid of my cat. I gave her to a very nice young man, and he will be very happy with her. And they are very happy together. He just sent me a picture yesterday. But it was an emotional moment. Like, I cried. It was sad. She did. So, but I told her that's I like feel normal. better now, though. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley was very helpful. She was like, It's okay to feel your emotions, Lexi. Because <laughs> she has to tell me that. So <laughs> helpful. Anyway, I feel like way better now, but. <clears throat> Unless people think I'm heartless, I didn't cry. But I was kind of sad, and I will be really real with you, like, there's been a couple of moments, I haven't even told Lexi this yet, there have been a couple of moments where, like, I have, like, I hear phantom meows, and I, and, like, and I definitely think she's going to, like, be in my room when I, like, walk in there. Like, I, there are moments where I'm like, oh, she's not, she's, oh, she's not here. I I had a dream about her last night. Oh, Wow. Lexi, I dreamt about her. Wow. This is like real, guys. This is intense. Getting so. rid of pets is hard. For the record, there was nothing wrong with her. And I, it was, it's just, it's a, yeah, it's, she was great. She's a great cat. Yeah. We, it was just time for us to go separate ways. Yeah. And now she's in a four bedroom home running around chasing. Yeah, squirrels. In a backyard chasing Albino squirrels. Albino squirrels. She is literally playing cat heaven right she, now. Yeah. So, but not literally because she's alive. True. Cool. So that was that. Also, another... Well, that's not really a highlight. That was like a... That was just a, a memorable a, event. It was memorable, especially because this cat has been on our podcast <laughs> for every flipping <laughs> episode. So, um, but guys, I have something horrible that I've realized, and it's this. Uh, there's... Okay, so we live in an apartment, and there is like a beautiful like... It's horrible. It's horrible because I'm still mad that I didn't know about it. Okay, so usually when I go on runs and walks, okay, there's this like pond to like in the front of our apartments. That's nice. It's like a mile and a half, a mile ish. And uh, like totally love it. It's beautiful. 
and I'm a creature of habit, so I always go there. Yesterday, Lexi and I decided to go for a walk, and she's like, do you want to go to the park? And I was like, what park? Like, <laughs> She's like, you told me you went. And I was like, well, I must have like not understood what you meant because I have never been there. Guys, behind our apartment is the most exquisite park ever. There's like bridges and gazebos. water, gazebos. There's a volleyball court. There's a tennis court. There's a basketball court. There's... Picnic tables and grills and a playground. Not that I care about the mm-hmm. playground. Well, there might be swings that hopefully there don't creak. There are swings. Okay, I got to go on those, but they okay. can't creak. Anyways, I was absolutely devastated that it's taken me almost two years <laughs> to... And we, we are going to be moving for different reasons, and so I'm super sad yeah. that... That's like, why we had to get rid of the cat. I have three months left to enjoy this park. So I'm going there after this podcast. At least it's going to be three beautiful months. Oh, that's true. At least I didn't discover it in February. That was sucked. <laughs> <Right. laughs> to be fair, um, shout out to Zally's Weber. We were on the phone together when I discovered that we actually technically live in the park. That's right. Because next door, next door, Miriam. Or wait, no, that was the old place. Miriam Park is where I used to live. Awkward. Oh. <laughs> that's why my brain does that. But like the next door app, it's Wolf Park. No, yeah. I kept saying yeah. like, oh yeah, there's a park across the street. But then I looked it up and I was like, oh. No, we live we are in the park. the park. We are the park. We're the park. So, guys, those are just three of the absolutely phenomenal things going on. I in also our lives. just want to do a brief touch on the fact that Ashley's back is disintegrating. Yeah, once again. Well, I don't so, want to say that. It sounds like I'm dying. No, it's just in a lot of pain. It is. So if she winces occasionally throughout this. Well, they or can't she see makes me. odd. Well, it'll be like you make your odd little like <laughs> sound. <laughs> It's because she moved wrong. I'm going to the chiropractor later, though. So it'll be better. It'll be great. My wonderful chiropractor. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, speaking of ways that we've fallen apart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What a segue. Remember when we were discerning our vocations together? Lord help us. So we've alluded to this like several times in this podcast that like Lexi and I kind of told the story. Yeah. Yeah. We met discerning our vocations, but we've never like actually jumped into that process. Yeah. Um. And so we were like, you know what, let's do it. Because I know for me, and I'm sure you do too, like that's a very common question as you're growing in your faith is like, what's my vocation, right? Like that's a very healthy, holy question to ask. Um, And so we thought that today um, we would kind of address some of that discernment in the context of our story um, and just the things that we've learned. Um, And I think while Lexi and I are talking about religious life, I would believe that the principles apply to like priesthood or, you know, like it's, I would think so. Yeah. I can't say for we sure. Can't say, I mean, we're not men and we're not priests, nor are we ever going to be in case that was a question. <laughs> <Father> <laughs> <I can't. laughs> but there are women who think that they're priests guys. They're not. Yeah. Just in case you're ever wondering. Yeah. Don't believe it. Um, yeah. So Lexi, do you want to like talk about, so, we we met officially on this like um, conference for like we were sharing our stories about oh my gosh I'm discerning religious life oh my gosh me too like can you tell us though for for your story like what kind of led you to that point of even considering the discernment of religious life yeah um, I I remember it well uh, <laughs> there was a day so I was in college um, when I would say things started moving like. You know how the earth has like the tectonic plates below it that 
I love your analogies. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not like the surface level things are moving, but things deep within are moving that like the top layer feels a little bit, but not a lot. And then as it gets closer to the surface, we feel the movements more. Okay. 100%. So I would say that in college, there were like deep level tectonic plates moving, right? And it, there was one moment though where it like started to come to the surface and I totally had an earthquake moment. So... I was in the chapel and I, to be frank with you, I have absolutely no idea, no memory of what brought this prayer on. I just know that there was one day where I was in the chapel and I was like overwhelmed with the realization that I needed to discern religious life. Like I'm confident that there were things leading up to that. We had probably been talking about it in class or whatever. I think someone gave me a prayer card that was like how to discern your vocation or something like that. And I had been following Jesus I would say relatively ardently for, I don't know, five years or so at that point, maybe more, like five or six years. And I had never really given that question consideration before that I might be called to religious life. Um, And so it was just kind of this like moment where my denial was shattered and I realized that I needed to take this idea seriously even though it scared me, which was really the reason I think that I had been avoiding that question for so long was because it scared me. The idea scared me. And so it was just kind of this um, surrender moment in the chapel of like, okay, Lord, if this is what you want for me, great. But then to be honest, after that, it was like another couple of years of um, not taking it very seriously. But that was definitely like a freeing moment in my heart where I was like, okay, Jesus, if this is what you want for me, like take me on the journey, right? I'm open to the journey even. And then um, when we got back here, so after graduation from college, got back here to Minnesota and uh, went on a like vocational discernment kind of retreat that I was quote unquote helping lead (laughs) uh, with the archdiocese. And it was really like at that retreat um, that I think I started to be open And then had a conversation with a friend of mine, shout out Alex Schindler. She was discerning religious life. And she was like, she could sense in me that there was just this kind of hesitancy that like I knew that I was like, yeah, I guess I've thought about it kind of. I went on a retreat, I guess. And she was like, Lexi, and she's just like a very bold person. (laughs) I love her. She's one of my good friends. She was like, Lexi, I would really seriously consider taking six months to a year to actually discern your vocation. Because right now, like you're dipping your toes in the water, but like you need to just jump in to the discernment process. And after she said that, I was praying on my drive home and I was like overwhelmed with the truth of that. I was so convicted. And so I decided, I remember the date, I think it was December 16th. And I was like, okay, six months here we go. Like no dating, intentionally discerning my vocation, going to make this a daily part of my prayer, go visit sisters. I had never been on a come and see weekend before. Um, so I was like, okay, I am taking six months to intentionally discern my vocation. And, um, I believe it was actually right after the close of that six months that I met you for the record after the close of that six months, zero clarity, zero clarity, like at all. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe it was within the six months I met you. I can't remember. 
I remember when I started to share my things with you, you were like, I'm just three months ahead of you, Ashley. But you didn't right. mean it in like a... Right, right, right. I was like, I'm yeah. in the same place. Because I think yeah. I had just kind of gotten out of that like intentional dating fast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still really unclear. And so I was like, okay, I need to keep doing things. And so I went on some more visits, etc. cetera. Um, and I'll, I'll end the story there for now. But that's kind of what... That's the story <clears throat> of what got me into it was like... A few toe dips and then that friend of mine really being like, you need to take six months and just discern. Yeah. Awesome. Your turn. Okay. I didn't know if that's what you were looking at me for. Um, Yes. So, okay. So I have always, 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 always wanted to be a mom and have lots of babies and like be married. Like when I was in... um, elementary school (laughs) if I were homesick from school I would watch TLC and I'd watch a wedding story and a baby story (laughs) and then I would buy brides magazines and I would design weddings for my friends and I had literally like 14 Barbie wedding dresses and I would like whenever I played house like I didn't like I did not have one baby I had seven like Mm -hmm. I always was like that was it like I was 100% gonna be a mom and um be married and like that was just not even a question in my heart um but then in uh in college like as I started to get into my faith um I I mean it was always kind of there like that like you had kind of said Lexi like that question sort of like hmm I wonder but um when I did NET when I served with NET Ministries they during our like formation and our training they bring in a lot of religious life um religious sisters And I just remember like having a lot of different conversations with sisters and being like, oh, like they're normal. Like these are normal humans because quite honestly, like I hadn't really had any experience with religious um, sisters my entire life. You know, I didn't really even know that they still wore habits. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like that wasn't really anything on my radar. And so on net, like certainly like, whoa, like these are normal women who like can actually make jokes with me who also wanted to be moms and Mm -hmm. now they're wearing a habit. Like what is going on here? You know? And like, um, and then I got back to school because I did net in the middle of college. So then I like returned to college and ironically we had had, um, these sisters, religious sisters of mercy, like move onto our campus. Um. And, um, and I started, I was really longing for like continual formation and, and that was kind of the best option that was available. And so, I started hanging out with the sisters and praying with them and they led like a study with us to like learn more about religious life, like reading the documents and, um, and I was like intrigued, but again, like I was never like hardcore into the discernment. Like it was kind of another thing that I was like, yeah, but mm-hmm. I want to be married. Like it mm-hmm. is never like something that I wanted to commit to. Um, and so I graduate, I stay in Winona for a couple of years and teach Um, and during that time, I just was like really longing for community and really longing for like Christians again, because I didn't really feel like I had that in Winona. Um, aside from a few people, shout out to the people who definitely don't even know I have a podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, but anyways, I moved back to the cities and it's like my first week as a youth minister and I'm like at extreme faith camp and there's these like cute little sisters at extreme faith camp and they're like youth ministers and I'm like what like that's a thing like I just was so like taking it all in and um 
they were just so loving toward me and so intentional toward me. And like, um, I was looking for a spiritual director and I was like, it'd be kind of nice to have a woman spiritual director who's like really trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. And so before I knew it, like me being the bold impulsive person I am like two weeks in, I'm like, sister Eileen, you want to be my spiritual director? (laughs) And, um, and anyways, what that ended up doing is it made me really have to look at religious life for the first time where I was like, okay, like I'm not married, no prospects at that point. Yeah. Like, what is my life? I'm, I'm settling into this, to this new time in my life. And there are these amazing sisters before me and, um, what, like what's there. And I kind of, I kind of came to terms with the fact that like, whenever I thought about entering into like a serious dating relationship, there was like a resistance on my heart because Mm -hmm. I had this question mark that was just there that I was like, Ooh, I can't, I can't, I can't give my life to a man because I don't know if I'm supposed to, like, I don't know if that's actually where my heart is called. And so it was just a lot of, it wasn't like this big moment of like, I'm going to discern it. Like nobody said to me, like you should discern religious life, but it was just like all of these things were like accumulating and led me to this realization of like, Oh, this is the next thing to do in my heart. Like this is where Jesus is leading me. Um, and so then that began, um, that was a few months before I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really began that like intentional, just like I was meeting with sister really regularly to talk about my heart, really upping my prayer, um, really hanging out with the sisters to see what life was like. And just um, not officially like nothing official, but just really honing in on that and like really actually opening my heart to that possibility, mm-hmm. uh, which was a lot of grieving. Cause I was like, but I just want to be a mom. Like, you know, and just yep. like really having to be like, whoa, Lord, like this, this life is not my own. I don't design my life on my own. Like you have a call for me and I want to know your call for me. Yeah. Um, and then we'll pause there because that's when I met Alexia. And then the worlds collided. Yes. <laughs> and then we both realized that we were both really having a hard time with this. And I think that that was a part of why we bonded is because <laughs> yes, like when we met, we kept, we we've said this so many times, but it was like, we yo-yoed where one of us would be in the place of every time that we'd get together. Cause we were not living together at the time. Right. So every time that we'd get together, one of us would be in the place of like, I'm not called to religious life. And I, it's so, it's so great. I have so much peace with it. Or even like, you know what? I'm just having a lot of peace with my discernment process right now. Like I'm totally in a good place. God is good. And like, he's never going to lead me anywhere that I'm unhappy. And the other one of us would be like, I can't do this. Like, (laughs) I can't believe that, that I'm going to be called to religious life and I'm just going to be miserable and I'm going to, and I'm not going to get married. And and, my parents, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave my parents and I'm going to be locked in the same room for the rest of my life. And it was, anyway, we would be in shambles. Literally. And we, we just yo-yoed, like we would go totally back and forth between which one of us was in that place and which one of us was in a good place. And I swear that Jesus did that, that intentionally so because the other one could like, we could talk each other off of the ledge, you know, and totally. yeah, it, it was really helpful having someone to go through that whole process with. Yeah. But, um, I think maybe we can just like wrap up our stories yeah. Kind of, and, and at least like give what happened mm. and uh, maybe some of the things, some of the principles that helped us 
get to that point. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like as we wrap up our stories, we're going to be pointing out principles. Yeah. That like we've learned that we discernment hope that are helpful us. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to start? Because I know that there was like yeah. a kind of a point about how to pray during that yeah. time, like how you prayed during that time. Well, yeah, I think something that was so monumental for me was this realization that Sister Aileen helped me to have. Because so I would show up right for spiritual direction. I'd be like, "All right, sister, so like, should I be a nun? Like, give me the papers. Like, let's just do this thing." And I you think know? we both did. We wanted oh, someone to just, just tell us, just give me the information, mm-hmm. right? And so, but I remember sister was so adamant. God bless her over and over and over again. She'd be like, "Ashley." I'm sorry, I won't do her accent. I I'm know. Just, I love but, how you say <laughs> your name whenever you're imitating sister because you're like. Ashley. She says it so I know, she I does. I love it. But I, out of respect for her, because I don't want to slaughter the beautiful, <laughs> she has a beautiful voice that she has. Yes. Um, but she would be like, Ashley, like, you need to pray. And I'd be like, thanks, sister. Like, <laughs> got that. Praying. K, you know? Um, but she would just, her continual repetition of that finally helped me to realize why she would say that to me. Because it's this. Knowing your vocation is not a piece of information that is out there in the wilderness for you to go find, right? Knowing your vocation comes with the Lord unveiling your heart to you. And the only way that he's going to unveil your heart is through prayer. Um, And so that was simultaneously frustrating and freeing for me. Um, frustrating because again, like I just want to know, and that's just kind of my personality and probably a lot of us just want to know things, but it took a lot of pressure off because I realized, Oh Lord, you're not calling me to, to something that is so inauthentic or so apart from me. Like you're calling me to something that is fully who I am. And so you're going to unveil my heart to me. And, and honestly, guys, like he did that and he continues to do that. And, and Lexi, as I'm, as I've shared this with her, um, reminded me of this beautiful verse in Deuteronomy um, that I think I'm going to have you read, yeah, I'm gonna read, read and it. explain. I pulled yeah. it up here. Okay, so like this whole concept of your vocation is not a piece of information for you to find yeah. out in the wilderness. It's like a revealing of who you are. That was so prevalent for me as well. And I think that that's been a part of every person who has ever arrived at their vocation would probably say the same thing, um, which makes sense because Jesus talks about it in the Bible. But it's actually not Jesus. It's God the Father. Um, because it's in Deuteronomy. So, um, okay, so this is Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14. He says, For this command, which I am giving you today, is not too wondrous or remote for you. It is not in the heavens that you should say, Who will go up to the heavens to get it for us and tell us of it, that we may do it? Nor is it across the sea that you should say, Who will cross the sea to get it for us and tell us of it, that we may do it? No, it is something very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart to do it. Mm. I love that verse. Like to me, that is, that is it. It's like, it's not out there for you to go find. It's, it's a, it's already in your mouth. It's already in your heart. Yeah, and I think there's a pressure in our society um, to know our plans, 
Like, where are you going? I need to figure it out. I need to know what college I'm going to. I need to know my 10 year plan. I need to da 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 da. And so, when it comes to vocation, I think it's so easy for us to apply that. And that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, um, it is this beautiful unveiling of our hearts um, that leads us in God's time to where we're supposed to be. And I think, and I say that because I think it's also like, it's right here and it's right now, like where you are right here and right now today, mm-hmm. that's where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's so freeing when we can take that timeline off of it or take that like need to know off of it and just be like, no, it's here. Like what I need to know is here within me right now. And, and what that doesn't mean is that, well, you already know. You yeah, just, good clarification. You just are in denial. No. Because that was sometimes what that led me to think, was like, I know that I'm called to religious life. I'm just denying that I'm called to religious life. Like, no, it is, when we say unveil, we mean unveil, unveil. because it is veiled. Like, yeah. you are not totally known to yourself, which is kind of crazy, but like, you're known to God. I think about... Um, you know, on Good Friday when like the cross is veiled and then mm. we unveil it like piece by piece, mm. you know, and it's like the cross of the Lord or something like that, and then Thanks it's like, be to... no, right? Wait, that's yeah, right. it's I, yeah, I think it is. I Come, know. let us adore. adore. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it only happens once a year, guys. Okay, yeah. it's hard to remember. Um, but it's like they unveil his arm and then they unveil his other arm mm-hmm. and then they unveil his feet and then they like do the floor reveal. and it's like that was so how the un veiling of my own heart happened to me you know it wasn't like oh I've just been in denial this whole time it was like a steady slow unveiling Mm -hmm. that I genuinely couldn't see in the beginning and that's what made the unveiling so glorious when it did happen was because it was like that's I got to see myself I got to see how I look to God how I how I stand before him so anyway um good clarification yeah yeah but yeah prayer Prayer, yeah. Super important. Sister Eileen, so Sister Eileen ended up being my spiritual director as well, thanks to Ashley. Um, <laughs> and she would tell me the exact same thing. She was always like, Lexi, it's, it's your, you just, you need to be praying. And I think what's so profound about that is like, that's something that I need to continue forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just mm-hmm. about, oh, you should pray because then you're going to find out your vocation. Right. No, like the Lord is unveiling my heart um, over and over in different ways to me. And that is only possible in the context of a relationship with him, mm-hmm. which is prayer. And the whole point of vocation is relationship. Yes. Like relationship with God, yeah, even, man. you know? So we're, we're always meant to be in relationship with him. And so it's almost like kind of manipulative of us to be like, well, I'll be in relationship with you so that you give me my vocation. Mm. You know, it's like, no, he just wants to be in relationship with you. Yeah. And then in due time, we'll unveil to you your vocation. And that's part of your relationship. Exactly. Or is your, like, yeah. It's is paramount. the living out of your <laughs> like, relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm, good point. So, um, I think there's another really important point, Lexi, that you had this realization of, um, as you were discerning religious life, like as you're praying, as you're giving your life to Jesus, um, that I think is really worth mentioning here. Yeah. So it'll kind of lead to like the end of my story, at least, um, for for now. Uh, so as I was discerning, um, like I said, I took that six months and after that six months of like dating fast intention, I was like yeah, I'm going to totally know my vocation by the end of this. (laughs) And I just didn't. Like, six months later, I felt some peace and clarity, but it was, like, definitely, it felt incomplete. And um, 
So I decided to go on more visits and just do more prayer. And that was when I took on a spiritual director and I was like, okay, this is, I need to really dive into this. I need to continue to dive into it. Like six months wasn't, wasn't going to cut it for me. Um, so at about the one year mark, um, I think it was almost exactly a year after I had made my first visit to the handmaids, um, which is an order out in new Ulm and they're amazing strongly recommend that if you're doing any discernment women that you check them out um if nothing else to help you discern but anyway so i I went to new ulm on retreat with them um that i i decided that december to go on retreat with them and then um, about a year later i went on another retreat with them and that was i would say the close of the door for me of discernment um And that really came through Mother Mary Claire, who is uh, the the mother, obviously, of that order. And she's so lovely. She sits and talks with every girl individually who comes on a a come and see retreat. And she gives you her time. And she just sits with you and she talks with you about what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your discernment. And I, I really, really believe that this woman has been given a particular gift of helping young women discern their vocation. Like... She is not just desperately fighting for women to come and join her order. Kind of the opposite. She's like a little bit, not, not bad piggy, but like she wants to make sure that you're really called to the order and she will happily tell you if she doesn't think that you are. Um, and, and not even in so many words. Anyway, the point is she was talking to me. She was like, this is what she said. And, and this was a groundbreaking moment for me. She was like, Lexi, you've been discerning for a year now. And I remember you here last year and you said the same thing to me this year that you said last year. And it's clear to me that you've been open for a year. She was like, it's just like a marriage. If he doesn't propose, you're not getting married, right? It's an invitation. And, and then she kind of stopped and she was like, Lexi, religious life is a privileged vocation. You shouldn't assume that you're called to a privileged vocation just because you love Jesus. And that might sound harsh, but it was totally not because she was right. I, there was a little bit of presumption in my heart that was like, well, I love Jesus and he loves me and I'm really special to him. So like, I'm probably called to religious life, you know, because I want to give my life to him and, and I know that he wants my life. I I know that he loves me so much that he wants to be in union with me for eternity. And like his love is so real to me. He's almost certainly calling me to religious life, right? And the realization, and it's like, I had been told this before, but you know, the the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge, extreme. Hmm. When mother Mary Claire kind of in a weird way, like put me in my place and was like, like, this is a privileged vocation. Like you have to be invited. And it kind of doesn't sound like you're being invited. I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I have been trying to put myself here. And I don't actually, when I think about it that way, I don't feel like I've been invited. I feel like I've been doing this discernment process out of love, which is good, but kind of out of this continued sense of like, well, I have to be called to this because I love Jesus. And what I realized in my heart in that moment was that you can give your whole life to Jesus 
and not enter religious life. As a matter of fact, every person is called to give their whole life to Jesus. The question is, what form is that going to take? And mothers are called to give their life to Jesus by giving their life to their family, like by giving themselves to their husband and their children. That is the method that Jesus is asking them to use to give mothers, to give themselves to him, right? So it's maybe not as direct, but what I realized is that like, we can't force ourselves into any of the vocations, right? It's all about what Jesus is calling us to. And that's the question. What are you being asked to do? Like, sometimes we want to be the big, bold, out there, like, I want to be the one who's preaching to the masses, when really Jesus is calling us to um, stay home and wash the dishes like we talked about last week, yeah. right? And I think what I realized, which was so perfect that it had me unraveled, was like my love for St. Therese was revealing itself in my vocation. And I know I've talked about how much I love St. Therese on every podcast. It wouldn't be a podcast if you didn't. It was like, maybe I have the smaller vocation, quote unquote. And like, we can talk about that a little bit too, like the the reality of... um, the beauty of the call of religious life and how there's an elevated dignity that that vocation has because it's so, it's such a direct gift to God and it's closer to heaven on earth than marriages because marriage, right, is like temporary. We know that Jesus says that like there, there, there will be no marriage in heaven, right? It's till death do us part. Whereas Religious life is like direct gift of self to God. And so I think what that tempted me to believe was that religious life was better for me and just better. And what I had to learn was like, oh my gosh, if Jesus is calling me to something that is maybe we can say like more humble, less direct, um, objectively not as quote-unquote close to heaven like if that's what he's calling me to that is the closest thing to heaven for me right if that's what if marriage is what he's calling me to I would be spitting in God's face to like go join religious life because I think it's the higher vocation right Therese talked about that in terms of the little flower right that's why she's called the little flower it was like the rose is so beautiful and the lily is so beautiful that sometimes it can be tempting for like the little daisies and the little violets to be like, well, I want to be a rose. I want to be a lily. And what she says is no, like the daisy has its charm. The violet has its scent. And those things are not duplicated by the lily or the rose. Like, yes, they're smaller, but they're just as necessary because God has intentionally made you to be exactly what you are, even if it's smaller than, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, smaller than another. So, so maybe, you know, marriage isn't as like direct of a reflection of heaven, but to me, it's the reflection that sets my heart on fire. And so I had to learn that like I, in order to give myself to Jesus, I have to follow the call that he has for me. And 
that revealed itself to me as like, I'm not calling you to religious life. Yeah. And I think one thing I'd love to add just in terms of the understanding of these different vocations is I remember Sister Aileen telling me, Ashley, religious sisters, priests need married people to minister to them. Like they're not minister to them, but like to witness to them. And, and married people need priests and religious to witness to them. So even though Lexi was saying that religious life, priesthood, it's like it's a more direct living out of like how we're going to be in eternity, right? Like fully united to Jesus, right? That doesn't mean that marriage doesn't have a place, which is what right. we're getting at. Like marriage exactly. also models the perfect selfless giving of God to us and us to him, right? Like through the spouses 100%. and that bearing fruit in their lives, in their children, God willing, right? Like, and so I think, um, just to, you know, just to clarify that, um, or not clarify, but to emphasize, I guess, more what Lexi is saying is like, we need both vocations. And so the we one do. that God is calling you to is the one you should do. It's almost like, sure, objectively religious life is more in line, uh, not in line. That's not what I want to say. It's more directly connected to our, our lives in eternity, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's subjectively the best for you, right? right. Like it's almost irrelevant. Like I'll, I, I used to get in debates with people like, oh my gosh, like, okay, so religious life is the higher vocation and so, and marriage isn't. So therefore I should want religious life, like what Lexi was saying. Yeah. And I, I started to realize that like, that's irrelevant when you're discerning your vocation. Exactly. It's that's irrelevant. That's a great way of saying it. You know, like when you're, when you're trying to figure out like, Lord, what are you leading my heart to? Cool. Yes, religious life is more directly related to heaven forever, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. And so that was really freeing for me as well, Lexi, um, yep. when I was discerning religious life. Um, and I think that kind of lends itself to another aspect of this, and that's comparison. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Which I think maybe this is a woman thing, but oh, bro, comparison. Oh, bro. Oh, bro. Oh, bro. It's Come a woman thing, but oh, bro. Oh, bro. <laughs> Whatever. Comparison is like the, the thief of, of joy. existence. It's the thief of joy. Absolutely. And, but I think in particular for me, uh, and I know Lexi and I have both shared this with each other, like it was really easy for me when discerning religious life, because I, I met and encountered a lot of different sisters during this time and I would hear their stories. And instead of being able to just hear their stories and rejoice in the love story that God called them to, I would immediately insert myself into that and say, they had that thought. They wanted to be a mom. I want to be a mom. Oh my gosh. That means that I'm supposed to be a sister too. Or like, right. you know, or like even like with people that I was discerning with like Lexi and another one of my good friends, Sarah, shout out, um, like they'd be in one place of their discernment and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like you just shared with me that you realize, I don't even remember an example, but like you realize this and well, our stories are really similar, Lexi and Sarah. So that must mean that God is trying to tell me the same thing. Like it was so tempting for me to, um, to do that and to just play the comparison game. And I think there's a couple of reasons that that's problematic. Um, one of them is like what that did is it, it put my heart into a state of fear and the Lord never speaks to us in fear. He always speaks to us in peace and in freedom and so that, okay, huh, like automatically was like clouding out his voice, right? Um, but secondly, it also undermines the reality that God does not give us a calculated method to follow, right? He's writing a love story. And so it may be true that the way he spoke to sister la la la, uh, <laughs> 
Okay, whatever. I hope there's a sister out there named La La La. <laughs> okay, but it may be true, right? That like the way he spoke to her. There's an eyelash in my coffee. Okay, wait. You just you're just really ruining my story, Lexi. Yeah, there's an eyelash in oh, my coffee. Gosh, just kidding. Oh, that's disgusting. Okay, and now she put it in her grapes. That's great. Okay. Okay. I was in such a momentum. La la la. Okay, sister. La la la. Okay, I gotta change the name. We're gonna say Sister Mary because it's probably what they're named. Yep. Um. Okay. So Sister Mary, right? She may be called. Um, or she may say, wow, I, I thought I was called to be a mom and I loved children and, and then there's this and then there's that and then there's this and I might be listening and hearing things line up, which is what I did. And I was like, oh my, huh, huh. but like the end of the day, like she received this, this clear peace and this clear invitation and I didn't. Right. And that mm-hmm. meant that like, okay, Lord, like I don't want her love story. Right. I, even like when you see a couple that you're like, oh my gosh, like they're so great. I want like their marriage is inspiring to me. At the end of the day, like I don't want their marriage. I want right. my marriage. Right. I want, right? Like the Lord is, he is, he doesn't, it's like last week I said this, he doesn't make cookie cutter saints. He doesn't mm-hmm. make cookie cutter vocations. Mm-hmm. Every story is unique and it is beautiful for us to witness our stories to each other. Like Lexi and I are doing that right now. We're yeah. telling you our stories, but I would be devastated if anybody listened to this and made a conclusion about their life because of my story or because of Lexi's story. Mm-hmm. Like I hope it's helpful, but at the end of the day, the Lord is so intimate and delicate and precise with each of us um that like your love story is different and like oh he wants to reveal that to you he never speaks to you in fear or comparison or figure it out like no it's just this beautiful unveiling which again goes back to prayer a hundred percent like i oh it's so important i and it's it's actually really interesting i was just thinking about this as you were talking because I was listening. Um, <laughs> it, I remember thinking, like, wow, it's so cool that Ashley and I are feeling the same way about a lot of things, right? And that was, that was like, really helpful. But I also definitely had moments of, like, wow, Ashley's going through this, therefore I yeah. am going to go through that, or that's what it must mean for me. Okay, so I had the exact same experience. And then same when I was discerning um, out in New York. I remember I was visiting the CFR sisters out there. And they went for one night at dinner, they all went around the table and all of the new, like the novices shared the story of how they discerned their vocation. And I just remember by the end of like, by the last girl, that time that the last novice, the last girl had shared her story, I was totally shut down because um, it was, they had all, of course, landed on the conclusion that they were called to religious life. And so it it just was like, okay, I'm going through the same discernment process that these girls went through and they all landed on religious life. Therefore, that's what's going to happen to me. And that was just totally overwhelming and scary. So anyway, I'm just echoing what Ashley said. Like, it is not... It's not about looking at someone else's story and saying, okay, that's what I'm going to call to. We can be inspired by each other's people's story. And that's, it's really actually important for us to share with one another what God has done. But what I learned too, and this, this goes hand in hand. One of the things that, so like right after I had that conversation with mother Mary Claire, we went and we were looking at this. um, I was with the novices at the handmaids and we were studying this document from John Paul II, who we love. 
and it was um, about religious life. I actually can't remember what it's called, but it was like I read he, it too. And I yeah, don't he wrote it about religious life. Anyway, his whole thing was religious are a gift to the laity, <laughs> and I had yet another overwhelming moment of peace where I realized. I'm not called to compare myself to religious. I'm called to receive the gift of religious life. Actually, I mean, you can say that that religious life is a privileged vocation, and it is, but I'm sorry. Laity is a privileged vocation because we get to receive the gift of the religious. Mm. And that was so humbling for me to realize, like, oh my gosh, I'm not called to be, like, the hero. I'm called to receive the gift that is the hero like they're being heroic for me mm. you know there was just kind of like this humbling moment where i was like oh my gosh i received the gift of the priesthood i received the gift of religious life and i am just kind of called to to receive and ironically gift. not ironically necessarily but amazingly you are heroic in that for them right the gift of reception is huge right and so it's like it's just what is your role mm -hmm. and it, it was really humbling to realize that like my role obviously marriage is a gift of self totally so i'm called to make a gift of myself but in terms of the religious it was like i was always so in awe of them i was always so enamored by them i always thought that their gift was just so beautiful and that was a part of why i felt like i must be called but what it really was is like, yeah, that gift is so beautiful. And like, you are called to receive that gift. I remember you saying that to me at one point, And that was really helpful for mm -hmm. me. Because I had had this like really beautiful, positive experience with a sister. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm called. And you're like, no, actually, like, I mean, maybe. But you're like, but actually, you're you're drawn to them because they are they are modeling to us heaven. Right. They should like, be attracted. They should you be should attracted. be drawn yes. to them. Like, that's... That's not automatically saying that you're called, you're called. religious. It's like, life. no, no you God. should be drawn to them. Yes. Okay, I want you to finish your story um, and tell us about how you landed where you are yeah. now because it's lovely. It's lovely. It's something. So, oh, stretching, sorry. Oh, okay. That was my wince. Maybe. That was only one in 45 minutes. Yeah, so I'm doing great because I'm sitting pretty still. Um, anywho, so I, yeah, I continued to discern for, uh, I went on like a, a come and see weekend and literally like actually ask Sarah Carter sobbed. It was three days long. And I actually think I sobbed for like most of it for three days. <laughs> like great. And not like tearing up, like ugly cry guys. <laughs> like, woo! I don't know. Okay. Can't believe the sisters still talk to me. Um, <laughs> and, and really that I say that because I think that was kind of telling for like just this deep unhappiness and this deep forcing that I was trying to mm -hmm. do in my heart. Like, mm -hmm. but I love the Lord. So I should be a sister, you know, like, and, um, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Lexi. And, but I just, I kept having this voice that I actually couldn't really identify until I'll, I'll share that story in a second. But there was this underlying voice that said to me, if you love the Lord, you would do this. Mm -hmm. I had the same voice. And yeah. That was why we would get each other in trouble. I remember there was one time we got together, we were both in that place, and it was bad news. Yes. We it, both had that voice. We did have head. one time like that, and I remember we were like, yep. what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's true. If we love the we Lord, we would be religious, love... right? Okay. We both love him, so we just have to do this, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Notice how panicky we were during this whole oh. process. <laughs> and I'm not even usually a panicky person, and I was panicking. So it, yeah, it's That's scary. It's scary. Anyway, Anyways, continue. okay. So... Anyways, Bad that voice, voice kind voice. of had been there the entire discernment process. And I and I didn't really realize that that was problematic. And I remember I had gone on this trip 
to Peru with the Proecclesia Sancta sisters and Sarah Carter was there. Gosh, I had to tell Sarah to listen to this podcast. She's starring. <laughs> Love um, and I remember like I, so we, we had gone to this ordination of their uh, priests at, at Proclusia Sancta in, in Lima. I think it was in Lima. Um, and, and I remember afterwards, um, this priest came out and was just exhorting all of us Americans and just like telling us these beautiful words. And Father Umberto, who's here and speaks English, um, he was translating for us. And literally like all I heard was... Because he was talking about Peter and getting out of the boat. And I was like, if I love the Lord, I'll get out of the boat and just sign up right now. Like, that's all I could hear. And I'm yeah. just getting angry and, and, <laughs> and like, feeling pressured. And I'm looking around at all the other people listening. And they're, like, radiant with peace. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, something's not right here. Like, something is being mistranslated in my heart. And so I pulled Sarah aside, who, again, had been walking with me through this. And I was like... Sarah, they just trying to get us to be on in their order. And like, if I loved God, that's what I would do. And like Sarah being the great friend that she is was like, that's not what I heard. That's not what I heard like, at that's all. That's not what happened, <laughs> Ashley. Like, let's pull you into reality here. Okay. And, and of what course, she's friend. like, such a good friend. And, and then she had this beautiful moment where she's like, Ashley, I hear the voice of the accuser in your thoughts. And the voice of the mm-hmm. accuser is, is a word or is a phrase that we give to the devil because he accuses God. And he accuses us. Like the Lord convicts us when we need to change things, but in, in love. And the accuser never does things in love. And and really the accuser says, if you this, if God that, if, if, if. It's, it's accusing, right? Mm. And she pointed that out to me. And I just remember it was like the scales fell from my eyes. And I was like, that's what this voice has been. That's what I haven't wow. been able to let go of. And so then here's what's really cool. So Father Umberto... Um, like looked, he could see that I'm like a mess. I mean, I wasn't (laughs) crying or anything, but I just wear all my emotions on my face. As you know, Lexi and my teens know this. And so, um, I do the same thing. Yeah. You kind of do actually. Um, but I, um, yeah, I don't play poker. Um, no, I would lose. We would both really, really lose at poker. We would probably, yeah. I wonder who would win. Okay. Anyway, because we would both both give each other away. (laughs) Um, anyways, so, but I remember Father Umberto guys, like he came up to me and he just looks at me. He had no clue what was going on. I hadn't told him anything. And he just looks at me and he's like, you need a special blessing. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh, I do. (laughs) And he just like put his hand on my forehead and just like, I don't even know what he said. He just prayed over me. And I felt this like peace come over me. And then he said afterwards, he goes, this happens to me sometimes when the Lord is doing powerful things that my hand gets hot. And that just happened right now. And as I went home, guys, it was like he cast out the accuser in my heart. Mm-hmm. And... I went home and I just had this clarity again where I could feel the peace of God. And it wasn't this, you need to do this because if you love the God, like it was like that voice went away. And then I was able to actually look at my heart for what it was. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, you know, long story short, uh, began to realize that, whoa, this desire for marriage is, is actually really something to, um, to look at. Mm-hmm. And to look at with different eyes now, not as, oh my gosh, it's the easier vocation and it's the fun vocation. No, actually, I think I'm a little bit more afraid of it than yeah. I've ever been. <laughs> right. um, but in, like, in, the, in the way that Lexi said earlier, like it set my heart on fire. 
and I and I realized um I just I mean I realized so many things in that um but the Lord set my heart free from that and allowed me it's almost like he purified my desire for marriage through this process mm-hmm. right he purified um what I thought it was supposed to be in this entitlement and oh well I should get a husband because I want one mm-hmm. no actually like the Lord is in control and the Lord has beautiful plans for me that have a timing that is so precise he's never late he's never early he's on time and um and so the whole process of religious life discernment for me was painful and it was a battle and sometimes I like feel like it was an out of body experience because I know so, I think back on it and I'm like gosh remember that it was like, so intense whoa. and like it hurt because my soul was just processing so much and I could feel it in my body because hashtag we're body soul beings mm. so I to throw that in there yeah. I like smoothie to... <laughs> um, but it was so purifying but, but it was so purifying and now I can say this like while Lexi and I are both not like, it's not like we can be like, no, we're all married. And like, right, no, we're no. still in the process. But I think what's so great is that right now that question mark has been removed. And I know that the Lord, like, should he call me into marriage? Like I would be able to actually say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and not just to the man, but to him, mm-hmm. to God himself. Um, and right now, as I await that hopeful thing that happens in my life, um, He's also taught me how to say yes now, like saying yes to him today, like living my life today, praying today, letting him show my heart what he wants to do today. And those little yeses lead us to that greater yes, right? Um, Dang, that's good. Well, it's like we were just talking about that last week too with the training for the Olympics thing. Yeah. When you do little yeses on a consistent basis, it allows you to be strong and capable of saying yes in the big moments, which is, which is vocational. And I think that that's a big part of what sister Eileen was trying to tell both of us when she was like, pray, like (laughs) pray every moment of every day, pray. And, and, um, you know, say yes in the little things is basically what she's saying then too, is, is constantly surrender because it allows you to surrender in the big times. And that's so freeing. Yeah. And I also think that in addition to saying yes, I just remember having this, like the Lord, there are a few times in my life where I can be like, the Lord spoke to me. Like I feel his presence, but like where I'm like, those words were not for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, um, I like, I had actually just broken up with a guy and I was just like, wow. Like I said no to religious life. And I said no to this guy. And I said no to like, just like all these no's. And I heard the Lord say to me, Ashley, with every prayerful no, your yes takes on a greater meaning. And so it's not just about saying yes. It's also about saying no and like prayerfully, right? And like, as we learn how to say yes and how to say no, like the Lord expands our heart. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like my heart's being more and more expanded Mm -hmm. to say yes to him more profoundly. Mm -hmm. Every yes becomes more meaningful. I love that. Like every yes takes on greater meaning when you are doing all of your yeses and no's intentionally, right? And the no's make more room for the yeses. I I love that. Yeah, Jesus, great... Jesus is pretty cool. I mean, he kind of... Oh, yeah. And um, so Jesus is writing a love story for you. I don't know what it is. No one can tell you what it is. But um, 
I, I really encourage all of you who haven't ever taken the opportunity to discern your vocation to do so. Um, just because you have a desire for marriage doesn't mean that that is automatically what you're being called to. Um, in fact, the desire for marriage is a necessary prerequisite to the desire for religious life because that means that you're healthy. Wanting to get married means that you're a healthy person. Like We, we all naturally desire marriage and family, but the call to religious life is supernatural. Um, so I would encourage you, discern your vocation prayerfully. Um, and maybe that means for you right now, just diving into your prayer life and making sure that you're continuing to say yes to the Lord in little ways consistently. That's a great way to start the prep work for whatever your future vocation is. Um, begin being faithful now. Begin saying yes now to the little things in your everyday and um, continue in your prayer life and don't panic. Amen. Yeah, I would, I just, I want to emphasize that. I would even say, don't pray so that, it's what we said earlier, don't pray so that you're ready for your vocation. Just pray, 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 pray. To be close to Jesus. Learn the voice of God mm -hmm. and like, don't panic. I think that's so good. I love it. Beautiful. Well, we got the red, our, our timer turned red, which means we've been talking <laughs> a long time. For a super long time. This is, I love this topic though. I know. Maybe we're just talking to ourselves at this point, but that's okay, okay. though. You know, <laughs> Jesus hears, heaven sees. Okay. Happy Friday. Have Much. a great week, oh, you guys. And on Monday, it is John Paul II's 100th birthday. So please eat Whoa. cake and we're going to celebrate. Eat cake. Okay. Let them eat cake. Let them eat cake. Bye. Bye.